Well, a very good morning to you. Uh, thank you, Graham. Uh, thank you, music team. Great to uh, have uh, a team here doing that. And uh, we also uh, are really thankful at Lakeside. We have a couple of young people that uh, are involved today. Uh, Annabelle, thank you, and Isaac on at the back there. And it's great to see young people involved in, in uh, what we're doing here Sunday mornings. Well, uh, going to be with you for a little bit of time as uh, Paul's away, and I have the opportunity and privilege to start off our uh, time together, and we're going to spend a few weeks together, several weeks together. And uh, you already have heard several times we're talking about the essential commandment. Now, we talk a lot about the Great Commission, and uh, some of us maybe aren't as familiar with the term the essential commandment, but once we get into this, uh, I'm sure many of you, many of you are. Um, uh, as already has been mentioned on some slides and such, I'm involved in, in leadership here on the uh, elders board. And uh, my wife and I and our family have been in Halliburton, I think, for 26 years. We've raised our, our family here. Our children are grown, are in post-secondary education now. And uh, so it's just great to uh, be able to live uh, here in Halliburton, be a part of Lakeside. And uh, many of you know, of course, too, that I'm uh, in leadership at Madiba, which is uh, a year-round facility that's particularly burdened uh, with the hearts and lives of young people. And so we're very much uh, trying to work in their lives and challenge them to continually say yes to God. And of course, we do that through summer camp and outdoor education, retreats. And we do lots of leadership training. And so we run year-round. And, of course, we appreciate your prayers as this past year and continue continually for the next several months anyways uh, continues to be a challenge for us. As a lot of what we do is bring people into community. So we bring people into close proximity. That's an important tool that we use. And, of course, this pandemic is all about not having people in proximity. So it's definitely been a bit of a challenge for us. And appreciate your prayers there. That gives you a little bit of history of where, uh, where I'm coming from and my involvement here at Lakeside. And a big welcome to any of you who uh, are joining us. And uh, this is your first time, perhaps, or you're streaming in and uh, not a part of that, part of our uh, normal church group. And you're very welcome and great to be here. One of the things that we uh, talked about in leadership years ago uh, as a church was reaffirming our direction. And uh, some of you that were here nine or ten years ago, and this goes before uh, Paul uh, was involved and became our senior pastor, and we had this PowerPoint, and I have a, a sample of that I can show you. And basically, uh, it uh, showed you kind of our direction and what we were trying to, to accomplish. And I won't spend a lot of time here, but our ultimate goal at the end of the arrow um, you know, was to love the Lord our God and to love others. And that, that really boiled down, you know, sort of our discipleship goal. And uh, so that's, that's sort of the journey that we've been on for some time. And some of you who have been with us since that time may remember uh, that I spoke uh, on this same series. So this might be a repeat for some of you, uh, but it's so long ago that hopefully there's still some new uh, tidbits and things that you can learn. I, I'm intrigued too. There's a lot of different terms for 
this idea of someone who follows God, uh, particularly in the Christian realm. We might use the term believer. Uh, we might use the term Christian uh, or even the term disciple. And uh, maybe some of you have heard the story where uh, a pastor gets up in front of their uh, congregation and basically, you know, show of hands, how many of you here are believers? You believe in God, you know, and most of the people sitting in the congregation put their hand up. And then uh, she's like, well, how many of you would consider yourself a Christian? And a few hands maybe go down as they try and figure out, well, maybe I'm not, you know, one of those super committed type things. Christians, uh, I believe, but maybe not quite a Christian, uh, or I wouldn't refer to myself as such. And then she says, okay, how many of you would refer to yourselves as disciples? And more hands go down. There's only a few hands that, that are up. And one of the interesting things about that is that when we actually go through Scripture, uh, the term Christian, as referring to a person who has accepted Christ or believes in God, is actually not used very much. But what is used a lot is the term disciple. And there are a lot of things that go into that as we even think about, oh, disciple, that seems serious. Yes. <laughs> and we actually learn and read from Scripture that we're called into a, a serious relationship. And that, um, that's, that's sort of what's driving this a little bit in terms of the next six weeks. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, how, do we, how do we love this God? How do we love a God? Uh, it just for some of us, that might be a bit of a challenge. But we're, we're commanded to do that, mandated to do that. And so hopefully you'll join with me on this uh, journey of uh, growing as a disciple of, of Jesus, as uh, we learn together. Um, just to give some credit, this uh, book here uh, is actually a study guide. It's by Greg Ogden, and uh, it's basically called The Essential Commandment. And a lot of what I'm going to be sharing with you, uh, a lot of the, the structure of what I'm uh, going through comes from this. I've added my own thoughts and my own Thanks to that, but I need to give credit. Uh, we did this study, I think almost 10 years ago, as a uh, small group Bible study with our summer staff at Mediba, and uh, loved this. And it was a great, great study, and so uh, this has kind of been formative in a lot of things that I'm thinking about and sharing with you uh, this morning. So glory to God, credit to Greg Ogden, and uh, this is a great, if you want to do a study yourself, it's a, it's a phenomenal study or with a small group. Uh, Greg Ogden, The Essential Commandment. So, <clears throat> Hopefully this morning there's going to be something, and for the next five weeks after this, there's going to be something for everybody. Maybe you're, you're here and you're tuning in, and this whole idea of God and Jesus and a relationship and following and whatever Christianity is, is new to you, and you're kind of seeking or unsure, and that's great. Great to have you with us, and hopefully you'll be able to listen and be a part of this from the perspective of this is what this is going to mean if I want to take this journey, if I want to go down this road of, of being a disciple, being a Christian, following God, whatever term you'd like to use. Um, for some of you who uh, certainly are already on that journey, uh, hopefully there'll be some good things here for you to take and, and apply to your lives, and certainly those who are, maybe, maybe we could call you more senior disciples uh, hopefully there's, there's things here that might equip you as you actually come alongside other people and teach and train them in this idea of the essential commandment.
And uh, so that's where we're going. All right, before we jump into this, I want to do a little quick history, and it's a very snapshot history, and I'm going to grab a whiteboard here. And hopefully you can see this. Are we good? Good. All right. I appreciate the uh, technical people who are working between me and showing a PowerPoint and showing uh, this on the stage. So uh, I want to just do a real quick history, uh, real quick. And basically the G here represents God and the M represents man. And there's really, in, in this history lesson, there's three parts to our history. When things started in terms of God and man, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, we had God who initiated a relationship, created mankind, and related with man, and actually man was able to relate with God. And they had a relationship, and, and it worked. And we can read a little bit in, in the early part of Scripture on how that worked and how that looked. And mankind behaved in such a way in this relationship, whether what they did or didn't do, uh, based on, you know, God initiating this love relationship with man. Now, part of the challenge is, is that this man here was prone to sin. And so we, we had a little bit of an issue because that sin actually caused the relationship to be severed. And we no longer had the same relationship back and forth as we understand it. Well, of course, God initiating a relationship, wants to have a relationship with his creation, loves man. Uh, as we go later on in history, uh, God, well, we've got another approach. And uh, God initiates and we have, let's see if I can draw this. If you can imagine, these are a couple of stone tablets. Okay, and you can kind of guess what I'm, where I'm going with this. We had the Ten Commandments, or a covenant. And God provided the covenant. That came to man. Man would respond to the covenant. And we basically had this relational uh, experience, different than how things started. So we, had a, we have a bit of a different thing. And in this case... Man was obedient uh, in response to please God, right? So if we do a, spend time in the Old Testament, we understand this. You know, I had to obey these things, do these things, because that's how I would please God. That's how this relationship would continue to exist and, and so on. So this was, a, again, different. And again, we see sort of this stage in history. Then we have really where we are now, where God's like, well, this is not, it's not ideal. It's not what we had. Uh, and he wanted something different. So again, we have God initiating something in love, but we have this, this sin problem that started at the beginning. And basically God says, okay, we gotta, I, gotta, I want to deal with that because man... Man's not, because man's sinful. And so then God devises this idea of, I mean, this is, if you can imagine, that's a cross. And so this is where we have Jesus come into the picture, right? And now we can have 
this relationship again because Jesus, in terms of sin, he has no sin. And so our relationship, our covenant with each other here was based on sinful man being able to continue, which we know how that went. Down here we had the covenant where we had to continually follow and do certain things to please God. That, you know, broke down in lots of ways. Now God provides a way where it's not dependent on our sinlessness, but on Jesus' sinlessness. And now we not only have a relationship in each case initiated in God's grace, but now it continues in grace. Because as we sin or as we fall short, God looks to Jesus as sort of our substitute as it relates to making this relationship happen. So, I just do this very quickly because as we understand this, I think one of the important things for us to recognize is that God is initiating and God is trying to make a way based on loving us, mankind, and we, we are in this period right here. And, and where our actual passage, which I'm going to read to you in just a minute, we're kind of right here because actually the passage I've chosen is actually Jesus speaking. So Jesus hasn't, you know, gone to the cross and such yet in our, in our, where this verse is happening in our study. So we're basically right here as it sets the stage for where we are now in history. Okay, so hopefully that gives you a real quick overview. I'm just going to place this out of the way here. Okay. So, the essential commandment is uh, the title here, and so we've had a couple of things as we talk about the essential commandment. And, and basically the situation is Jesus is asked by one of the teachers of the law, of all the commandments that are out there, what's the most important one? They're trying to trick him up. And Jesus says this, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord our God, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater command than these. That's Mark 12, 29 to 31. If we look at a couple of definitions, we have the definition of essential. And essential is an absolute necessity or it's indispensable. Uh, If we have the definition of a command, it's basically a command or a mandate, something that is expected, maybe more than expected, required of us. And so when we put these two things together, when Jesus says this is the most important one, these two things, uh, we we can essentially use that term, the essential command, uh, because it is absolutely necessary. It is foundational to our relationship with, with the Lord. And Jesus is the one that's saying this is how it works, and so he commands it of us. And so our sermon in a sentence this morning, and, and again, this is sort of an introduction, uh, this message, to the other five that are coming later. But our, our sermon in a sentence today is basically, God initiates a relationship with us based on love. We talked about that on the whiteboard. We must now determine how we respond to that. That's, that's where we're going. And so let's begin this morning. I've got three key things for you, and uh, we'll see how they apply. So the first one 
is that God initiates in grace. And again, I mentioned that on the, uh, the whiteboard. But God initiates with grace. And, it, and it's important for us to understand that God wants to be in a relationship with his creation. And he, he's a covenant-making God, so, which is this idea that he wants that relationship to have some substance. It's, it's not super simple or surface or, you know, when it's convenient, but it's something significant. And he's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. And he desires to be in this relationship so much so that he's created a way for that to happen through grace. Because again, our sin got in the way, continues or would continue to get in the way. And so God creates a way through grace. And it's important to realize that God initiates all this in love. Right? So all of this is, is through uh, this idea that he loves us and he wants us to be his people. He wants to be in relationship with us. And uh, that's an important part that, that, you know, sort of is foundational to everything that we're doing. And it's a covenant for us to give exclusive and faithful devotion to the God who has made us for himself. And so, again, we were actually created in such a way that this works. And when we don't enter into a relationship with God, there's something missing. There's something off. There's something, there's this void. There's, it doesn't entirely make sense. And so there's this idea that we were created to be in relationship with God. Let's look at a few things as it relates to uh, this, this covenant or this grace that's been initiated with us. Uh, Jesus actually quotes from Deuteronomy 6, verse um, 7, uh, 6, verse 4, pardon me. And in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, um, this uh, passage is actually called the Shema, or the Shema is probably the more proper way to pronounce it. And Shema basically means to hear or listen. And so if we go back to Deuteronomy 6, It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so later we find out Jesus adds, and others as yourself, love others as yourself. But Jesus goes back and quotes this, and it's very important because this Shema, really there's three pieces to this. If we were to look at this and and look at, at what is involved there. First of all, it says, the Lord is our God. So there's this recognition that there's a God, and he's our God. And he chose us, and now we should choose him. Right? So that's the first part of this Shema that comes out of this. Uh, in our text, uh, it's written, the Lord is one. Probably more properly translated is the Lord alone. And so, again, the Jewish people would say, okay, this is our God, and he is our only God. Okay, and so this, this is important. And it's important for us now because we have God, and we acknowledge that this is our God, and the only God that should be the God of our lives. And then, basically, knowing that, committing to that, realizing that, what is our response? And in this passage, 
Again, it talks about the fact that we're to love God with all the totality of our being. And all these things are listed. And so our response is important. And if you actually go and read, if you have time to read in Deuteronomy, it's an incredible chapter. And it talks a lot about the blessings through how they would respond in obedience and how they would respond in loving God and how how that would work. And so, again, this is kind of in that stage two with the covenant, with the old, the, uh, the uh, Ten Commandments. And so there was a lot of, you need to obey, you need to follow, you need to do these things, you need to love God, and that's how we please God. We're in a little bit of a different situation now, and we'll talk about that as things carry on. So basically, again, we see in our scripture that God starts this off. He is our God, the only God, and how are we going to respond? And we should be responding in love. So that's very interesting. And if you do anything uh, in studying the Shema, uh, and even now, um, people that are uh, Jewish folks that are committed that way, they will pray the Shema morning and evening, morning and night, every day. It's such a central uh, piece of scripture, a central prayer. Um, the, uh, the second thing is that our affection f- is really to be for God, or is there any affection for God is maybe a question. And so what is our response? God initiates in grace, now what? And, you know, I throw it out to you, how do you respond to someone who has given their life for you or has done an incredible, like, amazing gesture? How, how do you respond to that? And when we recognize that we're being loved by God, and he's initiating in grace to have a relationship with us. He's now laid down his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for us. How do we respond to that? What should be our response? And really, our affection for God, our response for God, should be significant. And obviously, that's up for you to determine if that's going to be represented in your life, if you're going to have a significant response. And we're going to hopefully help you to understand what that can look like as we go through our time. And then uh, in this uh, passage that we're looking at, too, we really get down to the basics of life. Um, Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? Uh, Just to give you some history, uh, the Pharisees had created or identified 613 laws. So (laughs) that's a lot of laws, and you had to know all these laws. There were 248 positive laws and 365 negative laws. (laughs) So that's a lot of laws. And I think they're trying to, you know, in our passage, they're trying to trick Jesus up here and say, oh yeah, Jesus, can you you get it down to one? And of course we see what Jesus says. Uh, Jesus, if we were to follow him and all the things that he instructed through scripture, they say there's about 147 commandments that, that come forward. Uh, But this one, as Jesus has asked, this, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others or yourself, this is the basics of life. This is where it all starts, and we need to get this sorted out. This is the basics of life. So God initiates uh, with grace, and our second thing this morning is our response. How do we respond? How do we love a God who has done this for us? And what will be your, our response? Well, Mark, in our passage, tells us that we're to love God with full dedication. 
with all that makes us human. And that's why Jesus lists these four aspects. To align our will, that's the heart, with God. To marshal our depth of personality and passion and to love God with that. That's our soul. To make him the object of our thought life, that's our mind. And to harness the energy of our bodies to love and serve God and others. That's our strength. And we're going to go into each of those in more detail in the weeks to come, including loving others. Jesus mentions all these for a reason, and I think it's very important for us to to take some time and try and dissect this a little bit, because why did he not just say, love God with all your heart and leave it there, or love just love God? The most important commandment is to love God and love others, which we can boil it down to that. But Jesus takes time to mention these elements or these aspects. And I think as we understand these better and we work on these things, we will find joy in loving the totality of God's character with the totality of our character. All of those pieces. And as I said, we'll dive into those in the weeks to come. And the third thing this morning is this idea that we are to love completely. Well, it's heart, soul, mind, strength, but there's something else. And loving God is never detached from loving others. And as you go through Scripture and you look at the various passages, and there's some incredible passages, if we look in 1 John 4, 7, I don't have time to go in that this morning, but there's a lot in that passage that talks about if you have love, then you're with God. If you don't have love, you and God, there's a problem there. So this, this idea that to love God and not to love others, that does not exist in Scripture. They're always together. That's, that's how, how it's so important. Never detached. We love God and what he loves. Passage after passage, God, loving God is connected to loving others in this way. They're intrinsically linked. We can't love God without loving others. And in many ways, this will be the evidence of our love for God. And again, we'll discover more on this in our last week together. So this is a lot, all in a very brief period of time. To understand our history, to understand God's grace and how he initiates that, and the work that he's done for us to have this relationship with him. And, oh, wow, that's huge. And then, yeah, I need to think about how I'm supposed to respond to this. And that's significant. And part of me, as I think about this, I go, oh, boy, especially when I look at how how mankind did in stage two, where, okay, they tried to follow the commandments to please God. Well, that didn't go very well. And I look at my own life and I think, oh, is this even possible? Is this even possible? Is it possible? And uh, in Matthew 28, uh, 30, it's interesting, we just uh, went through um, uh, the book of Matthew and uh, the very, very last passage in there, um, basically, Jesus says in um, twenty-eight twenty, uh, he says, "And surely I am with you always to the end of the age." And so Jesus is just basically given the great commission: go and make disciples, teaching them to obey, etc. And then he says, "And surely I am with you." So there is this this idea that Jesus thinks that this is possible, that Jesus is with us. Jesus believes that. And it's not by our own strength. 
And uh, this is significant for us to, to work through because as we recognize that, that helps us. It's be, through our connection with God. It's the grace of God working through us in many ways in a supernatural way. This is the idea of the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's another whole series, but the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And as we yield, we give over to what Scripture teaches, we give over to the Lord and what He desires and what His will is, and we yield to the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit drives us and we respond with others and interact and live the way that we're supposed to in loving God and loving others. So our core truth today, and uh, this is in two, two slides, so we'll uh, go over this in two pieces. In response to God's invitation to enter a relationship of covenant love, we are called to return that love to God by placing our full affection on him. So worthy is God of our complete devotion that we are to submit our will, the heart, Harness our passions, the soul, discipline our thinking, the mind, and channel our energy, our strength, to his glory. As we do so, other people, all cherished by God, will also become our priority. So that's our core truth. Each week I'll have a memory verse for you that you can memorize if you choose to. In today's memory verses, 1 John 4, 18. We love because he first loved us. And then I have a few questions for you to be thinking about in reflection uh, today and this coming week. Have I spent much time considering what it means to love God? And so that's an interesting question. How, how am I doing this? How does this work? Uh, have I thought about it? Uh, this, if, and if you have it, that's great because you're going to be invited into the next number of weeks to think about that. And then, will you commit to seeking what it means to love God as Mark 12 or Jesus uh, asks us to? And so those are, those are some key questions for you to be thinking about uh, this week as you contemplate what's been said this morning and what's to come in the weeks ahead. And then I just want to finish off again by reading uh, this uh, passage from Mark 12, 29 to 31. If we were all gathered in the uh, sanctuary, I'd have everybody stand and we'd all read this together, but that's not what's happening <laughs> in this uh, situation. But again, the most important one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. Let me pray. Father, there is a lot to be thinking about here, and as we briefly consider the history of God and man, as we recognize and realize that you have, from the beginning, wanted to have a relationship with us, and you have loved us 
and you have made ways for that to happen. And Father, we are grateful that we now are in a situation where not only have you initiated in love through grace, but you allow for continual grace because of the Lord Jesus Christ to allow that relationship to continue forever. And Father, we are uh, so, so thankful uh, for that. And now, Father, it's up to us to determine how we respond to that. And Father, again, at first thought, it makes sense. That's a pretty significant gesture, not just a gesture, but sacrifice on your part. And we should respond in significance. But Father, we do struggle with that. We don't understand what that looks like or is to mean. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus provided these words in this scripture so that we could think about and understand what it means to love you with all of our character, with all of our parts, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And Father, what it means to love others. And so as we journey and discover together over the next period of weeks, we just pray that you would uh, anoint this time together, you would help reach and uh, impact each one as they have need to hear. And we look forward to how you will be teaching and uh, seeing us grow in our uh, discipleship uh, these coming weeks. So we commit all that to you. And again, we thank you for the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the work that happens in our lives. And so we commit all this to you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.